Composer Miho Hazama graduated with a bachelor's degree in classical composition in her native Japan and went on to get her master's in jazz composition from the Manhattan School of Music. Miho has won numerous awards and scholarships and has written jingles and for television, although her passion is writing concert works. Now based in New York City, Miho continues to record and perform her compositions, which draw on not only her jazz and classical studies, but on her wide range of musical influences. I'm Judy Carmichael, and this is Jazz Inspired. I talked with Miho Hazama in New York City last year when she was deep into writing new work for her debut at Dizzy's Club at Jazz at Lincoln Center. I asked Miho if she's always thought of herself as a composer. Well, I think I started at the music school because my my dad is, I mean, my dad works at the insurance company and he had to move uh, in Japan once every three or four years. Oh. And then to keep my, uh, like, after-school activities, um, my mom found out that I kept dancing with music. So oh. she decided to take me to um, music school and ballet school. And then I ended up doing, I keep doing uh, music <laughs> until now. So, um, and then that music school had uh, a piano class, a uh, uh, electric organ class, and oh. a composition class. And that was from the time you were very young. Yeah, that was like uh, when I was uh, five years old. I think that's wonderful. I Before we started on air, I was telling you how little music yeah. education I mm-hmm. had. And one of the things that really stands out to me when I have people on this show mm-hmm. is that the people that are the, the most enthusiastic mm-hmm. about their training mm-hmm. are the people who were taught all of these things early on so that it all blended together, if that makes sense. Right. You know what I mean? It, mm-hmm. w- it was all of a piece, so none of it was intimidating. Right, right. Well, I... I got all the music sense by ear, and then that's really, well, that's the thing that I feel really lucky about learning music. Before, like, if I were to learn all the theory before all the sense, then my music technique or, like, all the sense would be very different from mm. what, I, what I have now. Because my, my, my parents are not professional musicians, but they love music. So they kept listening to playing music a lot, and then Around that the was house. A var- yeah, various kind of music, rock, jazz, classical, um, kids, children songs, <laughs> so many kinds of music. And then that's how I learned all the music, and then that's how I got, got how I got perfect pitch as well. I think. Oh, you do. You think you developed it? Now that's interesting because I yeah. always think of perfect pitch as something that you're born with. Mm. And that great relative pitch is something that you can have and develop. But you think you develop perfect pitch because you were listening to so much music? Well, I mean, uh, the music school that I went Mm. back in Japan, um, they had that specific program to get a perfect pitch. Really? So they kept, you know, uh, they keep in the classes, they keep playing the same thing. And then we have to recall what that sound was. And what key, what those notes are. Exactly. So they're teaching you pitch Mm -hmm. from an early age. Now that is really interesting because as as a language major, I'm Mm -hmm. thinking about it as you as a person who speaks 
more than one language, you think this way too. I'm thinking mm -hmm. about how it's easier to learn another language when you're young right. because you're, you're learning so. it in a different <laughs> way and it's going in your brain a different way. Right. So as you're saying that, if you are thinking of those pitches mm -hmm. and, and relating with the color of it mm -hmm. and the distinctive sound of that yeah. rather than theoretically that's a G. Right. You would learn it differently. I yeah. never thought of it just that way. That's yeah. fascinating. Yeah, like in fact, learning language was something else that I, you know, I struggled when I came to yeah. New City because when I got here for the first time six years ago, I barely spoke English. That's incredible. <laughs> so I guess I guess English sounded like music to me, mm. like all the getting in accents from my classmates. Yeah, right, <laughs> and, uh, right. Um, yeah, all the um, words, English words, learning all the words. These are also uh, the one thing that uh, I really appreciate my ear mm, <laughs> training. Right. Well, it had, had to do that because that's amazing. If you weren't, if you didn't grow up speaking English and you have so little accent, that really is incredible. So right. you think I that is so. because of your ears? I think ears. so. I think yeah. So. Yeah. My guest, composer Miho Azama, on the title track from her CD, Time River. I'm Judy Carmichael, 
and this is Jazz Inspired. I asked Miho about the band on the CD and her bringing together her jazz and classical roots. We have very interesting people on, and including a pal of mine, Gil Goldstein. Right. <laughs> so talk about this, putting this all together. Okay. Uh, my latest album is called Time River. So this is my orchestra, but this is not a big band. It's a chamber orchestra. Which is how many pieces? A uh, 13-piece chamber orchestra. And then there's a piano, uh, bass, drums, vibraphone, and a string quartet, three saxophones, a trumpet, and a French horn. And uh, I came up with this instrumentation because, one, uh, my background is a mixture of jazz and the classical music, but like influenced by jazz music as well. So I wanted to have a strings, first of all, and also French horn because I love that, that sound color. <laughs> um, so... I made uh, my debut album with this 13-piece band uh, in 2012, which was right after I graduated from Manhattan School of Music for my master's degree. But then after three years, um, I thought that uh, it's a great time to make another record with uh, my compositions that um, um, I developed as a, like a truly professional com- composer because... When I released my debut album, that was right after you know graduation, and uh, I start. Although I started working as an arranger and a composer, but then I always was um, student <laughs> for a long time. Right, right. So there, I have to admit that uh, there was a little bit of like a struggle to survive. I mean, how to survive in New York City, first of all, like how I can explain, express myself as a female composer from Japan living in the U.S. Well, jazz musician or a classical musician, what kind of composer am I? Well, so I kept asking myself about my identity mm. and also like how to survive in a city itself as well. Right. So after three years of asking myself and then like finding my identity and uh i i felt like i was ready to make another statement uh with my band so um i called up my 13 piece band and also i wanted to have a two guests for my uh next album and uh i for one piece i always had a specific tone color of a tenor saxophone so I had a few ideas, but uh, I was like, well, well, why don't I just call my first, first, you know, impression and then my hero. So I emailed Joshua Redman and uh, he was really, really nice enough to email me back, which surprised me a lot. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, then um, I sent him a score and a MIDI file, just a demo file and then he said oh this is challenging and then I might try I'd love to try so I was like wow this is definitely something that I've I've never ever I mean been able to do it when I was in Japan probably but that that made me really excited to work with him and also um I've been a huge fan of um 
Georg Goldstein for a long time since uh, he produced a lot of albums for Esperanza Spalding and also one of my heroes, Mikey Bricker. And in fact, I think one of his, I mean, Mikey Bricker's album called Wide Angles, that album made me think about my band's instrumentation because mm. that album has strings and a couple of winds, great combination of you know, string instruments and jazz, more and more like a big band. Michael Brecker from his CD, Wide Angle. Michael is an inspiration to my guest, composer Miho Hazama, as is arranger, accordionist, Gil Goldstein, who was a guest on her most recent CD, Time River. I decided to dedicate uh, one of my old compositions for him playing on accordion, so the piece that I he played on, you know, the album is uh, what I composed like ten years ago. Ah, yeah, that's one of my old compositions, and I rearranged it for my band and then uh, himself uh, as a you know accordion feature. Thank you. 
I basically planned everything and produced by myself and then organized everything. It makes sense to me that a person, especially that's thinking about sound so specifically, yep. would want to produce. Yeah. Because think- every single sound is, mm-hmm. is so specific. Right. Well, to me, my compositions are like my children. It's very precious and very important to me. And uh, to make my, my music happen, I have to be very good producer to, um, to choose everything because I can't really play my music by myself anymore. I need a 13 people <laughs> and I need an engineer so that I can record. And um, the only thing that I could do with my band is just conducting. Sometimes I play piano, but mainly I conduct my band. And conducting doesn't sound and sound make us any sound. Make a sound. <laughs> any sound. So, so you have to be producing the whole thing. I no, think that makes so. sense. Yeah. Something else I was thinking about when you were talking about the three year period mm-hmm. between getting out of school. I was relating with this myself actually, mm. because I've started writing lyrics mm-hmm. and that's new for me. Very, very new. And somehow doing a CD of all originals, Mm -hmm. which I really resisted. My writing partner, who I mentioned to you, Harry Allen, Mm -hmm. said, we should do this, a whole CD of Mm -hmm. originals, which became for me the stimulus for it. Now right. we're going to sell a million CDs. I mean, now we everyone sells less, you know, unless you're right. Beyonce. Mm-hmm. So it's a very different focus. Although for me, recording has always been something I've set up for myself as a challenge mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. motivate myself. Right. And I felt that with you. Yes. I felt that that's that it that something does something different does happen when you know you're going to record it. It's like a writer having a deadline. Right. Okay. That's very so true. you feel that as mm-hmm. well. Yeah, this is my project. And then I do have all the responsibility to make that happen. So um, otherwise, I won't do it. I won't do it. No, me neither. Because, yeah, I'm looking for some writing arrangements and then someone's commissions and probably that, that'll be it. So it's a great opportunity as well as a great pressure <laughs> to put myself uh, to keep making something cool for my band.
know how special a bigger band is or right. an orchestra. There is <laughs> nothing like it, even separate from you conducting, just to be in the presence. Mm-hmm. I've only gotten to play with an orchestra once, mm-hmm. and I almost started crying. It mm. was so beautiful to have that experience. I sat there and thought, I cannot believe I'm here. Whoops, I'm supposed to come in here. Right, right. Because <laughs> it was so overwhelming, mm-hmm. the beauty of all those colors coming together. You're right. And I try to to impart that to people who don't know that, who mm-hmm. don't go and hear live music. Mm-hmm. And that's something that we talk about a lot, obviously, on this show. Mm-hmm. But also the challenge of keeping that going. This is very expensive right. to get a studio to do it. Right. And... How do you do it? <laughs> uh, that's an interesting question. <laughs> I know, but well, but I mean that there's many ways. I've talked to Maria Schneider about this same thing. I right. know grants and and all mm. of this. I mean, just me keeping a quartet going right. is, you know, because people will hire me mm. and they'll say, "Well, come alone." Mm-hmm. And I'm, been, just, I'm just trying to get them to bring two right, or three other right. people. <laughs> it's been definitely uh, very challenging to yeah, make that happen. Yeah. Well, I was just lucky for the first record that I, I got a grant. So um, I didn't really have to worry about it. But uh, for the second one, um, I, uh, I split it with my uh, manager's company back in Japan. So he paid, his company paid a half and then I paid a half. And we uh, we share the master right, copyright. Um, so that helps a lot, but still, that's a lot of money. And then I ended up spending more, of course. <laughs> yes, of course. <laughs> of course, that happens. So, um, yeah, there was a a, yeah, there was a very difficult time to even survive. <laughs> well, no, and I <laughs> think, it, and, the way, and the reason I bring it up is, yeah. I guess... As an advocate for the beautiful sounds that are possible. That's what I keep trying to tell people is they keep wanting to go to electronic Mm -hmm. music. Mm. I mean, if I talk to one more person about the fact that, no, I want to play acoustic piano, Mm -hmm. that's my big challenge. I do not want to play an electric piano. Mm -hmm. That's great for certain things, Mm. but it is very different. Right. And... My fear is that people will stop being able to hear those differences. Right. Um, now, I mean, I have to say that all the uh, sound libraries on computers, these technology is getting you know, better and better. But then um, I used to study, uh, to be honest, I used to study uh, commercial composition for movies and mm. TV shows, like mm-hmm. how to make jingles, mm-hmm. these kind of things mm-hmm. back in Japan. But then I started doubting, doubting about that, like questioning about my to myself if if that was a reason why I started composing. Oh, that's interesting. And to you know to sit in front of a computer all day long to type my composition, um, I didn't think that was what I wanted to do for my life. Mm. <laughs> for the rest of my life. Mm. And then at the time I was playing in uh, a college big man, big man and uh, I experienced a lot of magic between people, like human beings, mm. <laughs> to make uh, like interactive playing between 
jazz players, and that's what I really loved about. And I met all the jazz composers. I mean, not actually, but I met all the Maria Schneider's compo- compositions and Andrew McNeely compositions, and that made me think, well, this might be a great combination, great balance of、mm. written part and interactive part. Which is really interesting point of a jazz composition.、Mm. I found later, but then at the time I was just thinking, oh, this is really great balance, and that that would be what I want to do. And that's that basically made me want to study jazz composition. That bring that that brought me to New York City.、Mm. But um, so I still believe that、uh, human beings can do something very special. And the magical、uh, using acoustic instruments. Sama and her band on a composition journey to journey. I'm Judy Carmichael, and this is Jazz Inspired. I'm Judy Carmichael, and this is Jazz Inspired. Our show is made possible in part with generous support from Steinway and Sons, and from East Hampton Indoor Tennis, eight indoor and twenty outdoor courts in a quiet, beautiful park-like setting. Visit ehit.ws for more information. For a schedule of upcoming programs, visit our website at jazzinspired.com. You can download podcasts of Jazz Inspired free on iTunes, and email us at info@jazzinspired.com, or visit us on Facebook and Twitter at Stride Queen. To find out more about my CDs and where I'm touring, and to sign up for our email newsletter, visit judycarmichael.com. 
Additional support is provided by Jazz Times Magazine, providing entertaining and provocative coverage of the jazz scene since 1970. On the web at jazztimes.com. And I have a new book out that I'm very excited about, a memoir entitled Swinger, A Jazz Girl's Adventures from Hollywood to Harlem. You can order it and get more information on other outlets at judycarmichael.com. My guest is composer Miho Hazama. When I listen to your compositions, Mm. I know they're jazz. But that's always a big thing. What makes mm-hmm. this jazz? Because that's a, that's a question. No matter what people say it about right. about players, and is it just improvisation? Is what makes these compositions jazz? If you were describing this to someone, <laughs> I know it's uh, a tough question. Yeah, eventually, I don't want to um, categorize my compositions mm. at all. But for now, it's good to say it's jazz because. Mm. One, there is a improvisation sections. Mm-hmm. So you write <laughs> in. That's good for, especially for our non-musicians who are listening to this show. So right. when you compose one of these big pieces, mm-hmm. there is a section with just pure improvisation. Always, usually, Correct. okay. Mm-hmm. Usually, mm-hmm. yeah, not always, but usually. Mm-hmm. And then two, there is a rhythm section in my band: mm. piano, bass, and the drums mm. playing. Uh, together, and mm-hmm. then that's not written at all. Mm. Of course, they have a map mm-hmm. <laughs> with uh, chord progressions and some rhythm hints, but it's not fully uh, written. Mm. So then jazz musicians have to play. So they're head. making their choices, which is also very interesting when you talk about the interaction, because mm-hmm. as a composer, you're allowing that openness yep. so that the other people are involved and the composition changes every time it's played. Right, exactly. So, you know, soloists can actually destroy my composition. <laughs> Rhythm section can, could destroy well, my Well, that can happen to well. all of us, Miho. <laughs> We've all had those nights. <laughs> but then that goes back to, you know, what we talked. We have to be a good producer to, right. you know, make my And it's all in the sound. choosing, too. Yeah. It's the people that you choose. Yeah. Yeah. And I do care about their personality as well. So um, I, I believe that... Uh, personality uh, affects their playing, their performance. We've uh, touched on Maria Schneider. So talk about her because she's one of your inspirations, one of your favorites. Talk about her. Yes. Um, First of all, she's a female composer. I know. And then jazz composer. And then she is also from classical music background. So I found her, um, well, I found a lot of things to share uh, with her composition. And then that's how I got really into her compositions back in Japan for the first time. Um, but what uh, what her composition amazes me is that uh, her compositions is very memorable and they're very beautiful with a melody. And I, well, at the time I've got uh, this reputation saying that my compositions are very pianistic. So you can hear a lot of harmonies, but not solid melody. And uh, I wanted to make something more memorable or more catchy in a way. <laughs> and 
uh, her compositions were, you know, perfect examples for that. Where the melody really stands out mm-hmm. and it's memorable. I understand. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yep.
Maria Schneider on her composition, Hang Gliding. I'm Judy Carmichael, and this is Jazz Inspired. Talk about Roman festivals. This blew my mind. Right. Uh, that blew my mind as well. <laughs> oh, my word. I, I mean, really, I had a moment. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Every time I hear this, you know, live performance, I always cry. Oh, I, yeah. You know, that makes me always cry because um, that writing is very dramatic. But then all of the orchestra orchestrations make a certain reason to be there. And that's how amazing recipe year for orchestra so um i uh, well as a as a person who played an electric organ for a long time i actually played this piece on the electric organ oh, <laughs> oh my when i was word when i was 11 years old i think wow so it is kind of well i mean i still have a video of me playing that piece, and that looks like a circus. <laughs> oh, that's incredible! Um, like a, you know, right hand with melody, uh, left hand with harmony, uh, left leg on the bass, and the right leg to control the rhythm and programming. <laughs> and then, oh, this is incredible! Uh, yeah, it's hilarious. But um, that's how I actually started learning all the symphonic scores mm. um, from uh, French. French composers such as Ravel, uh, Debussy. Well, I, I'm a huge fan of Ravel and also Respighi. And uh, I'm a huge fan of Burstein as well. So these uh, pieces that I learned, that was all from electric organ for the competition that I was always in annually. So when I was around, I mean, from, I mean, since I was 10 years old, Probably that's how I started learning all the classical music scores. And then I feel really lucky and then privileged to learn all the score at that early point of my life to see very gorgeous sound and then colorful sound. And I think that is a very important part of my uh, music aesthetic, how colorful, I mean, how much color I can put in my music or something like that. And then I thought that Respighi is a great uh, example of that.
So you really have a sense of both of these places because of Japan and New York, mm-hmm. because you've lived both places. Right. And my friends who work a lot in Japan mm-hmm. always talk about how intense the listeners are and that they're great <laughs> and big fans of jazz. But we can also, as foreigners, romanticize that. So you have lived in both places. So I yeah. do you find that there is a big difference in the acceptance of jazz hmm. or listening, or does it seem the same? Um to me, it's well. I would say I would say Japanese audiences mm. are more serious, and then here, all that music listeners are very curious about music. Oh, that's interesting. Serious versus curious. Oh, that's <laughs> interesting. Yeah, and uh, when I whenever I play in Japan, I always have a great time. But then people sit in front of myself. You know, playing, and then they really focus on the performance, and then they're really polite uh, to applaud um, no matter what, <laughs> politely. <laughs> oh, that's interesting. Um, and then people always say very nice things after you know performance, which is very nice of mm, them, right? But here, I feel like people uh, people have a more like honest. Eyes and the ears. Mm, that's interesting to to see what is going on, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then the more you feel, the more you respond to the music. That's how I feel. Um, that's how I got. I mean, that's how I get from audiences here in New York City. So to me, it's more challenging to make them happy here in New York City. But then I still. Want to bring that feeling back to Japan so that I can excite the people all there too by my music.、Mm. Um, so、um, on the stage, I always try to be very happy and then、uh, expressive in a way, no matter where I play, <laughs> so that people can get, oh wow, she's you know smiling and she's actually laughing and then talking on the stage and then. Probably we can enjoy that way too.、Mm. I I was hoping that、uh, you know Japanese people would react that way to、mm. my music too.、Um, yeah, to to be able to allow themselves to be able, to connect with it emotionally yeah, a, a little, little bit, bit more. more.、Mm. Yeah, I played there many years ago, and my biggest memory is I sat in at a club,、mm-hmm. and everyone came up and felt my left arm. <laughs> Which I just love because they somehow thought that there was something because I'm playing stride piano. Oh yeah, and they saw this hand going back and forth,、right. and that was so curious.、Mm-hmm. The people came up and they actually wanted to feel like I like I had、really? a bionic arm,、wow. <laughs> or something, which was great because it was so funny and such a cultural difference to me. I couldn't、mm-hmm. imagine people. I mean, people here ask all the time if I'm left-handed, right? So they will think of it more that way because they see that there's a strength. But、right. that really stood out to me, and I thought. It was so charming, right? That they wanted to come up and they wanted to see. There must be the secret in this, like super arm, right? Right. <laughs> she has, which I thought was fascinating. Yeah, and yeah. I loved it. I loved、right. it. Well, Japanese culture itself has very specific beauty of of it, like to make a depth or like to make、uh, space.、Mm. That's a beauty of Japanese culture. Which is a little bit different from jazz <laughs> and the swing rhythm.、Mm. Um, so、um, I don't really try to put my my I mean my 
perspective as a Japanese person to my compositions, but I do believe that、uh, that part of myself naturally gets into my compositions. So,、um, yeah, I hope that、uh, that always speak to both of them. And now、yep. the future, tum tum tum. <laughs> tell me, what are you working on now? What are you thinking about?、Um, uh, my my band, M Unit,、uh, is going to have a gig at the Dizzy's next year、uh, in oh, January. Oh, fantastic! Yeah, great. On January twenty fifth. So we are excited, and then I am actually writing a new piece right now for the band. So for、um, that performance, ah,、mm-hmm. oh, fantastic!、Yeah. So, and that will be your first time there. Yes. Yeah. That's oh, our debut, and it's such a beautiful、stage. room, isn't it?、Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we are very excited to present new music and then some of my, you know,、uh, music from current, I mean, latest albums.、Um, but、uh, well, as a composer, I want, I like to keep writing something interesting and then cool as a, just a composer. And、um, also, one of my goals is to write. Symphonic jazz music a little bit more. I wanted to ask you about that. So you do want to do that? Yes, I want. I'd like to do that because, I mean, I love symphonic music, but every time I hear symphonic jazz, it's always either、uh, Gershwin's pieces or Bernstein's, you know, West Side Story. I mean, I love these compositions, but、uh, I do believe that there are more. To play for symphony orchestra, it's just a time、uh, matter that the big band became a big thing, and then there are more、uh, large ensemble pieces for big band setting rather than symphonic setting.、Um, but、um, as a person who loves symphonic sound, I'd like to keep writing something for classical musicians as well as jazz musicians, and then it's a great mixture. And then I I believe that it can exist together. So um, yeah, that's- I do too. And you have me inspired. It's such we're advocating for that kind of music, which I think is wonderful. And I I just I'm a huge fan. You introduced me to a lot of new music that I didn't know, and I'm so thrilled we could do this. Thank you very very much. Thank you so much for having me. You've been listening to my conversation with composer Miho Hazama. I hope you'll join me here next time when I talk with another creative person about how jazz has inspired their life and work. I'm Judy Carmichael, the host and producer of Jazz Inspired. My production engineer is Curtis Heidolf. You can download podcasts of Jazz Inspired from iTunes or at TalkShoe.com. Our opening music was Airmail Special, and the mid-break music is a smooth one from my CD, High on Fats and Other Stuff. The closing music is Old Fashioned Love from my CD Trio. I'm on piano with my Cashim on sax and Chris Flory on guitar. My new memoir is called Swinger: A Jazz Girl's Adventures from Hollywood to Harlem. For more information on where you can find it, or to order an autograph copy, visit judycarmichael.com. For a schedule of upcoming jazz-inspired programs, to sign up for our email newsletter, and to find out how you can personally support Jazz Inspired, visit our website at jazzinspired.com. 
Judy Carmichael's Jazz Inspired is made possible with generous support from Steinway & Sons, the Ken Kolker Foundation, Henry and Gilda Block, and Sag Harbor Florist. Visit sagharborflorist.net. You can email us at info at jazzinspired.com or visit us on Facebook and Twitter at Stride Queen. For more information, visit judycarmichael.com.